Dimp Digital presents the DDT Wrestlecast. from Dim Digital. Welcome to the DDT Wrestlecast. This is the weekly pro wrestling podcast where we review wrestling shows from the present, the past, as well as reacting to the latest news from the wacky world of professional wrestling. We will be here every Friday on your favourite podcast app and YouTube absolutely free. This week I'm once again joined by the current FGL Fantasy Gaming League champion, it's Le Champion himself, Paper. How's it going? Cool, cool. Yeah, we're going we're to get copyrighted one day if we keep saying the Champion, aren't we? You know, Jericho's going to listen to this and go, right, that's it. Jericho's, Jericho's more than welcome to come on and challenge that. So it's an open invite <laughs> to Chris Jericho if he wants to come on and, and challenge for that, that title. But as far as I can see, you have one belt. He has zero belts at present. That, that is that is that is very very true. So <laughs> Though it looks like that that one belt might be lost soon. I think it's getting worrying. Yes, it's the, itchy uh, bum times. The fantasy gaming league is getting very very close, and we're halfway getting up to halfway through the year. So if you want to keep an eye on that, head over to dimpdigital.com where you can see the gaming draft, um, and you might want to check out our gaming podcast, Idle Game Chat, which is what we do every Monday. Anyway, we've got a very special edition of the DDT WrestleCast. This was a request that was put in by a, a young gentleman called Nick Opalweski. Uh, he got in touch with us via Facebook on our DIMP digital page, asked if we were taking requests. And yes, we, we were taking WWE requests. And he put his he put his request in to review Smack'em Whack'em, which is a home video classic you can find it under the originals on the network itself. Um, we do have, a, as I mentioned, we, we'll, we'll go into the Patreon side of things, but we do have a, a tier dedicated to being able to request shows for us to, um, to to review in the future. So if you want to do that, then head over to patreon.com forward slash DDT WrestleCast and you can do a number of different perks and different levels there, but that's one of them that you can you can put requests in and we will do them so long as we can watch the programming legitimately for free, either on the WWE Network or YouTube or, or whatever. But I'm not going to be going around the houses, going on illegal streaming sites to find um, these particular events. But yeah, he put this request in before the, um, before the tier was created, before we had a patron. So I, I said I'd honour that for him and just it will give you guys a taste of what we can sit down and watch. Smack'em, whack'em. Did you have any idea what this was before going on it? The only thing I saw was the little thumbnail had what looked like Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart and, and Bret Hart sort of doing a, an elbow drop on Shawn Michaels. But other than that, before I switched this particular stream on, I had no idea what, what Smack'em Whack'em was. It's such an odd name. No, I, I think I was exactly in the same boat. I'd, I'd seen the thumb now, and I sort of then purposely kept away from trying to to because I, I didn't know anything about this 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 home video or show before it. I wasn't sure whether it was going to be 
a whole house show, for example, yeah. or whether it's a compilation of, of greatest matches or or matches on house shows that they never showed on TV or or what it was going to be. As you said, all I knew was was the the thumbnail on the video, and but the thumbnail on the video gets your juices going a little bit because you're there. There's two greats there. This is this is going to be um this is going to be something sort of sort of special you'd say um one of those ones that you know just gets forgotten about a little bit because it's, it's that old now it's it's coming up to crikey 20 no nearly 30 years old so yeah um so yeah it's just one of those ones that you think well we were so young when this all came out um it probably just sort of fell through through through, through the ropes however um people that do have listened to this uh wrestlecast recently have realized that we've we've reviewed uh the royal rumble from 92 and yeah. um SummerSlam from 92 yeah. so this is from the same era and uh so so yeah i was i was generally quite excited considering those two events have scored very well on our on our points of view so um yeah i, I must say i was quite i was quite looking forward to this one you know having a couple of beers um and watching sit down to watch this one on the wwe network yeah, so the actual the thumbnail itself says Smack and Whackum, slamming wrestling action and it says at the bottom exclusive footage not seen anywhere. So I was thinking, Christ, what are they doing here? And essentially from what I can gather doing a little bit of research and you know, just listening to them watching the event, these appear to be matches or house show matches that have not been broadcast on the telly or on a pay per view before. So we're treated to a number of matches, three of which involve Bret Hart. So it's not like like you mentioned their paper. It's not a you know A to Z house show that's been done. They selected specific matches to to go on this, and it runs for what does it run for? About two hours in the end, was it? Two hours. Yeah, two hours for this. So it's not a it's not a difficult watch at all. Um, but it was interesting sitting down to to watch this because I had no idea what to expect. And immediately we're greeted by Lord Alfred Hayes, who I'm assuming you love now because you've realised he's British and he's sort of flying the flag <laughs> there behind the scenes and, and whatnot. But the thing that surprises me, it doesn't really surprise me because it's, it's common knowledge. By the time this video comes out, I think it was actually released in 93 and, and it looks like most of these matches took place in 92, if not all. But he um, he spoils the main event, or what is going to be perceived as the main event. He says, this is the video where we're going to show you how Bret Hart beats Ric Flair for the WWF Championship. Is that the smart thing to be doing from Lord Alfred, getting people going? Or if you were going into this blind, would you not have preferred just to be like, oh, it's Ric Flair v Bret Hart. Oh, he's won it. If he wasn't familiar with the history, I guess. Yeah, I, do you know what? It's funny you said it. I didn't pick up on that. I just... I, I don't know why, uh, maybe because I knew Bret Hart had already previously won, but it, it, through, thinking back about it now, you would think, well, you would sort of keep it neutral so that, you know, someone who might have just maybe picked up this this VHS from Blockbuster or something like that and be like, oh, there's some matches here. I, I, I don't I wonder what's happening in some, some good matches. You've already sort of given it away. And uh, having spoken on previous um, podcasts, one of my my annoyances is when little things in the matches show that a certain person's clearly going to win it. Yeah. Um, and it just sort of ruins the, the match for me. So, so yeah, I would definitely think that but Lord Alfred Hayes is clearly sort of, he's on the verge of getting dementia probably at this point. Um, and I'm not <laughs> sure. He's, I, 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 you know, I would love someone to give me the history of Lord Alfred Hayes because I have no idea how he came around, um, oh, how he, 
and, and how he became a part of the WWE universe, how long he was around in the WWE universe, um, because he seemed to be there over a few year periods. And what is Coliseum Videos? I don't know. Is it just some sort of production company that, that brought a load of rights to? Yeah. Uh, uh, I think some British production company that brought a load of rights to to the WWE to sell, you know videos in in the uk and stuff like that because he does pop up because he pops up at SummerSlam as well doesn't he so mm. which is well, uh lord alfred was on the was, was on the american side of things as well so he was actually oh, was he? yeah so it wasn't just it, this this coliseum video was developed i imagine firstly for the american audience he was just one of the backstage personalities at that time so he wasn't helicopter. Personality in. is a strong word for Lord <laughs> Alfred Hayes. <laughs> Poor old Alfred. He's getting slaughtered here. He's not done anything wrong. Well, he has done a few things wrong because he introduced his video and gives away the main event, which is, is not <laughs> ideal. But yeah, he's a he's an interesting character. I from watching, bearing in mind I've watched the pay-per-views only from this period, um, he kind of has like a couple or a few years run and then sort of fizzles out. don't know if he goes into a more of a backstage, but if you know the answer to this, Contact us on Twitter at DDT WrestleCast, and why should they give us a follow so you can uh, see some bants on the old Twitter machine? But he introduces that that, that we're going to be seeing a never seen before match, um, and we'll get to the specifics of the Bret Hart and Ric Flair match uh, a bit later on. But the interesting thing to realise here is that this was a title change that did not take place on TV or a pay per view, which and it's and it's the WWF title, so it's not like it's. You know, the Intercontinental title, which still is a big change. This is the big championship. And I don't know if you're Bret Hart, maybe you wanted that to be on TV somewhere. But he introduces the that, that is the main event. He says it's going to be a, a Yokozuna cooking segment. Um, which, we'll come on to that later. <laughs> yeah, I'm not quite sure what that's doing on there. And then we've got home improvements with your favourite tag team, the ones that you always remember, the Bushwhackers. And they're going to be making a rent house, apparently, with Lord Alfred Hayes sort of in tow, helping them out. And they dress him up in some safety gear to get him started. But we move on to our first match, which is the Berserker versus Crush. So we saw Crush at SummerSlam 92, and we had a look at that. Um, He sort of had a bit of a cup of coffee as, as this incarnation of him. But I was really surprised when Crush was, you know, when he came out of his music, the reception he got... He got a big pop, and I was like, "Cool, maybe he was over at one point." But um, what did you make of this this first match? I mean, bearing in mind this is a home video product, that I'm assuming all these matches at some point were not broadcast, and that's why they're on this this video. So they they're showing stuff that people haven't seen. But Crush v the Berserker, what's going on? Uh, I, you know what? <laughs> I, 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 well, I wasn't offended sure by would... this. No, I wasn't offended by it. I just didn't really like the match if i'm being honest yeah. like i i see what you mean crush came out and he's, he's over and everyone in the crowd were doing you know he's um skull crushing yeah, you know, like the like, two Jesus. hands and everyone was going with that with their hands and i was thinking oh you know everyone's over this and um but then the match sort of kicked off and it was just a bit you know dull and like mm. there, there was there was like Alfred was on commentary, which probably didn't help, but um, uh, the, the Berserker just kept doing his... I was getting annoyed by the amount of hussies coming out of him. And I was thinking, right, that, that gimmick's a bit too much now. Hmm. Uh, every other second, there was a huss, 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 huss. Yeah. And uh, there was, I think there was one point, I think as well, when... Um, Berserker did a power driver oh, on, on Crush's head, and it looked like it could have broken his it, neck. I've, I wrote down a specific note for that. I was like, dangerous-looking power driver on Crush. I thought it killed him. I yeah, like, oh, I, God. 
it was it was horrendous. I looked at him and thought, crikey, because his his head was well below his body body, and I think like, that, that, well. that 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 would have that would have really hurt. Um, but yeah, it was. It just wasn't a very good match in just general. Like things just didn't seem to just connect very well, and it just I don't know. There wasn't really much of a story there. It didn't feel like no. I, I, I don't know. I scored it relatively low, not like crazy crazy low, but just like just below average. Um, I, I just it was just what for me. We we always talk about start show off uh, with a with a good match like a pay per view, <laughs> and this this to me just didn't get was in terms of its first wrestling match didn't give it that little bit of spark you think oh yeah i i want to keep watching this now um like i i know i'm if i'm being honest i'm not a big fan of the the skull crusher i just generally in 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 when it was done then or when it, if it's done now by someone like i don't know lance archer in yeah. AEW, aw um i Seems just like think weak it's pace that does to me it's like... it, it does that's just it's, it's very theatrical and you everyone looking at things like ah, no one's gonna have their skull crush like like that like if you're gonna do it go full on to maybe game of thronesy you know when they're um there's the mountain and stuff like yeah. that when he, when he <laughs> actually blows out someone's head but like but if it's not that then it's, it's not going to be that much of a submission i don't think and you know to finish the match on that was i thought it was a bit ah, i appreciate his he's he's, he's he's moved but like i just thought i just i can i can understand why um crush maybe wasn't a, a, a massive figure in people's minds looking back <laughs> no i mean he's dressed up almost like a hogan like a maybe a new hulk hogan coming out and i was surprised by the reception he got because as far as i could remember from you know re-watching these a couple of years back he wasn't he had a bit of a cup of coffee he didn't have a long long run in this incarnation of it and he didn't really get over but he was here and that was I guess my biggest takeaway but he beats he beats the Berserker quite handedly in, in a reasonably short match. We then go back to the Bushwhackers and Lord Alfred Hayes. This time they're trying to build a um, a window, which um, you know is never going to end well with these these two idiots. Um, they're, they're trying to mark out where to make the hole. I noticed there was already a hole on the wall, so I don't know if they shot it once and ruined it and had to redo it. <laughs> So yeah, that's clearly what happened. <laughs> yeah, so, but anyway, they mark a hole in the middle. They go to hit the middle part. They miss it by a mile. These are just, it becomes clear at this point that these are just comedy bits to segue from one match to another. At this point, obviously, the the, the way that the WWF is, is functioning is gimmick-based, character-based, and the Bushwhackers, you know, as annoying as they are, they are characters, and they're probably popular, you know, amongst a, a certain audience, and people, they're aiming for comedy here. Did you know from. what I noticed from these bushwhacker segments? And yeah. it was I, I, so first, like I've got notes. I've only got a few notes on the bushwhackers in this, and I must admit, I, I, I didn't enjoy this. But though I'm oh, saying no. I didn't enjoy this as a 32 year old man, as a six year old kid, that this is probably the most funniest thing out there. Yeah. Um, but um, it reminded me very much of something like, that. and in the UK we have a song called like the Chuckle Brothers, which is like two, theme tunes there. Uh, Probably get fucking copyright strike on that. <laughs> but it's it, it definitely it felt like this whole segment was a kid show, and even much even so that actually all of these sections where they're doing the measuring and the, the other stuff, the first one, they, they, uh, they, they speak about health and safety and how yeah. important health and safety was. The second one, they, they spoke about like 
maths and understanding your maths and stuff like that yeah. um uh, then there was like all about sort of safety and electricity which came on to later on and stuff like that and so actually even though there are all these comedy sort of sketches they're all sort of subtle ways of teaching kids about sort of you know health and safety maths and stuff like mm. that or, or just like in a funny type of way um but yeah it, it definitely felt like that part of the show to me felt like it, it was 100 percent aimed at you know uh, pre um secondary school kids or, or in, in in maybe someone outside the the uh, uk with someone sort of like 10 years and younger um that was definitely that audience the way is overhyped and you know and and funny and you know you know all these sort of little hidden messages but you know it, it is what it is I, yeah, as i said i didn't enjoy it i really didn't enjoy that part i must admit but like it's um it did make it did turn me off the bushwhackers. I, I, I considering that in the in the in the the rumble when we watched it, I was like, oh, I really love these guys, and now I'm like, fuck them. <laughs> the, they're in the bins now. They're in the bins. They've been cut. But um, so uh, but yeah, it was, it was. I did find it interesting that it it showed where WWE's head was at. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it segues into Earthquake versus Repo Man, which no one was asking for. I don't think. Um, I mean, Earthquake is a, more of a spectacle than a good worker. I think we can all admit that, and he would just say that himself. Like, this is spectacle of the man, not that he's going to be putting on five-star matches, working 25 minutes to an hour to 30 minutes, putting on great matches. But this is um, uh, an interesting match. I mean, one of the things that I picked up on was Lord Alfred Hayes is on commentary, um, and he mentions at one point, and this, maybe this is a, uh, you know, saying how boring the match was at one point it wasn't a long match but still there's time for people's minds to wander he starts waffling on about how the cameramen have a good life and how they get to tour the world they get paid well and i'm like what are you talking about alfred what who's who's telling you to say that but the, the match itself was what you'd probably expect from earthquake um and and <laughs> and repo man um they talk about how repo man's a good front runner he doesn't really get much steam in this and and I'm I'm pretty sure Repo Man botched the dive onto Earthquake. Like he comes off the ropes and then dives. We he kind of like doesn't quite reach him. Earthquake has to put him down, then pick him back up again and slam him, and then he hits the earthquake and wins. But I mean at this point we've had fucking crush for the berserker. We've had Lord, Lord Alfred Hayes spoil the, the main match. We've had the bushwhackers pissing around. And then this is the next treat we get. At this point, were you thinking that Nick on Facebook was just having a laugh of us trying to find the worst event possible for us to sit down and watch for a couple of hours? I, I you know, yeah, I, I, I must admit at this point, I, I, I'm definitely not enjoying it. And this Repo Man versus Earthquake was by far the worst match on the, the whole video. Like, it was just awful. And actually, like... I think it says something that all my my negative notes against this match was was directed towards Repo Man mainly mm. because I probably expected Earthquake just to be crap. And when you say he doesn't do five star matches, you mean he doesn't do five star out of ten matches? He is sat poor. <laughs> like, he, like he is a spectacle, and I get it. Like, but you, you need to keep these matches short, which it was relatively short. But like things that just annoyed me on this match was like I think you mentioned it was at one point repo man went to do a clothesline off the like uh off the ropes mm. and he just completely bodged it and yeah. it was just like that was crap. and he did it and you second said again he did another um stunt off the ropes and it just didn't work and it's yeah. just like just don't go up the ropes if you can't do it and, no he can't um, uh, 
but hey ho. But it's um, it, it was a very good match, and uh, I at this point I'm thinking, crikey, what what we've been sold is I can I can understand maybe this is now the collection of you know matches they didn't want upon TV TV because these are just these are just poor. Yeah, and I'm thinking. Uh, you know, Nick, if, if you're listening, this, I mean, I'm, I'm going to sit for and do this, but you know, um, I hope you appreciate what you're putting me through here. Cause it's, uh, this, we, we talk about watching classics and at the moment, this isn't a classic. Like no. saying that we did watch some, we did watch uh, WrestleMania this year and that also wasn't a classic. So, no, it was about um, <laughs> eight times as long. So that wasn't, that wasn't ideal. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's so odd. Like there is several botched spots in this match. Like this is a video pack. It's not a live pay-per-view. And when you see it in a live pay-per-view, like a botch or something go wrong, you're like, well, they were doing that live. Like, there's nothing they could have done to, to prevent that. This match they selected from hundreds, possibly, of matches that they could have got and just put in uh, from from a, a house show they were recording. And yet this still made the cut. I just think, yeah. what's going on? I mean, maybe, I mean, I don't think they, obviously at this point, they're not recording you know, non-televised house shows or things like that. So this may have been just what was left at that event where they were, they had the cameras set up, but I was thinking, good God, there must've been something better this night than that. But evidently not. Alfred's back with your bushwhackers using power tools. This time he gets electrocuted, Alfred Hayes. So again, talking about safety, I think it teaches kids the wrong message though, because at this point I thought, okay, that's the end of the bit. Like, that's going to be the end of it because they're going to not make out that Lord Alfred's dead, but he's been electrocuted. That's it now. But he does come back to life later somehow. So I, I don't think kids should be electrocuting themselves and thinking they'll survive that because they probably won't, in, in my opinion. It could be funny, though, is what they're teaching them. Well, I don't know if it is funny getting electrocuted. I got a electric shock <laughs> off the dog earlier, and that was enough to put me off. And I was like, Jesus. Cool. What's the dog, a Pokemon? No, he just gets static. I think because he like, rubs his head on the floor... It builds up and sometimes he'll just give me a little little shock. But I don't know. I might take him to the vets and see if there's anything wrong with him. I was hoping we'd get to some good matches at this point. But unfortunately, whoever decided to put this video together thought it'd be a good idea to put Gene Oakland, Master Fuji and Yokozuna in like an interview stroke sort of video package. And it's all about Yoko's diet and... Oakland says he's, uh, he goes there, he eats 15 calories a day, they make out, uh, no carbs, all this stuff. And it's, this is too long. It felt like it was, I mean, at this point, I thought I'm going to have to pause this and come back to it another, like, just get get away from it. And we're about 30 minutes in. And I remember <laughs> you saying to me, you said, oh, I've started watching it like a day before. And I was like, oh, crap, I better do that. And I went back to you and said, oh, have you started watching it? Is it? And you said, well, I've got 30 minutes in and I've walked away from it. Let me know if it picks up. And I imagine this may have been the final straw at this point. Because <laughs> it's was, awful. This was, at this point, um, there was a combination. I, I, yeah, I'd ordered food and they were eating food and I was thinking, fucking, I'm hungry. But <laughs> not only that, I was just so, so disheartened with what I'd watched for this first 30 minutes. I was like, right, I'll pause this. And I'll come back maybe with a fresh attitude to this because I, I am not in a good space. That, well, this 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 first five minutes hasn't put me in a good space to keep watching this. And no. and I'm and I was and I just hope that you know if it's like this the whole way through, then I'm going to have to do break this up into segments. Yeah. Um. And and, and so yeah, I I put I well I turned it off and walked away from it after this segment. It yeah. was I I, I must admit this this 
was probably the worst segment out of everything. Um, it's just a guy shoveling food in his mouth. Yeah. Um, it could have been. It's. It's. And it seemed to go on what felt like forever. Yeah. Like I just felt long. like I didn't need to see him have ten courses, have all this like all this sushi and noodles and rice or whatever he's having. He had some steak um, that looked really nice, and I was like, cool, I could do with that steak, but obviously I didn't. I couldn't get it because it's. It, 30 years ago almost well, i put it down a note i like sushi when i was watching this that's that's sort of how my brain was working at this point in time mean gene wasn't a fan was he to start with he's like oh, i can't eat raw fish i can't eat raw fish but he tries it and he's like oh it's quite nice yeah yeah like it was it was it was it was a strange segment it was a bit you know it also felt a bit like which is weird it felt like a poor travel show you know like where oh, yeah. you know back you, you there'd be like a travel show where they'd be like oh we went to this restaurant and you've got this amazing food and the chef might spoke about that it felt like that but yeah it was a it was, it was a strange one but i you know i i just thought how they were, were they just trying to feel time but they don't need to feel time because it's a, it's a t- yeah. tape i don't know i, just, I don't know i don't know I, I you know if yokozuna had been featured later on in the card then i'd have gone okay that makes sense like they're just building him up and then you get a match of him later maybe but he doesn't even wrestle he's not none of his matches are on this video so he's just plopped in there talking about how much he eats his diet it's just promoting him and i was like yeah pointless they must have run out of thing they probably wanted a two-hour run time and thought cool we've got nothing left and this is what they came up with or they just pulled it from an arc i don't know when they did this it's probably appeared somewhere else on some saturday night saturday superstars or something during this time but yeah I, at this point, I was like, oh, this is really testing my patience. But we finally get to the saving grace of things because this is, it, I said this is a bit of like a tale of two halves, this video. And it's kind of a tale of like three parts. And part one has just finished. Like the awful first part of this video has, has finished. And fortunately, we are treated to a Bret Hart sort of profile um, around um you know he's his championship he's going to win at some point during this video because Alf, alfred's already told us um he's he's doing an interview with gorilla monsoon and they're plugging at this point i thought oh we're going to go straight into the the bret hart versus rick flair match but actually they 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 talk about a <laughs> brett calls it a steel ladder match which i've never heard it mentioned in that i'll just call it a ladder match to be honest brett I don't think you need to mention the steel part, but he mentions that he's going to be in a steel ladder match with Shawn Michaels, intercontinental title on the line. And I thought, cool, this is a, this is one that we've not seen before. So the story behind this is that Brett actually pitched to do, this is doing some research on the internet, and it's 411 Mania I got this little bit from, uh, .com, so they've got some good, good detail for this. But Brett pitched the idea of doing this ladder match with Michaels at SummerSlam 92, so we've already covered that event and talked about that um, because at some point it was planned to maybe be held in North America like it had before. But in the end, you know, the WWF decided to come to England and it felt more appropriate to put David Boy Smith Bret Hart against Bret Hart for the IC title. So this match was put together and supposed to be a demonstration from Bret to show how this match could work to Vince. So they did it on a, obviously a non-televised part of it. And yeah, this is the the first ladder match technically that the WWF ever had, and it's not the most famous one because it didn't air, you know, until this video surfaced. Uh, the the ladder match between Michaels 
uh, and Razor Ramon is always the one that's that's seen as like the the, the breakthrough match, and that's the, the most most people would have seen that match and said, "Yeah, that's the first ladder match I ever saw." But that's an interesting little bit of information there that actually Brett pitched the idea. This was like a a, a prototype to show him how it'd work. Michaels is. I don't know if he's handpicked or whatever, but we know Michaels is a great worker. And we get to witness the first ever WWF ladder match. Incredible. Yeah, it's a strange one, that. Because, um, like, they, they were they were, they were were talking about how it was, like, the first ladder match and, and the yep. first... And, and at first I wasn't sure whether they meant the, the, the first ladder match ever or just the first ladder match in WWE. I think there was a bit in commentary where... They they'd spoken about how they'd seen it maybe once or twice before. Yeah, so Stampede. So where where Brett sort of plied his trade, Stampede Wrestling in Canada. They used to do it up there, which is where Brett got the idea from, um, uh. and then, then brought it down here and said, "Look, let's give this a go." But yeah, they they this is definitely the, the they make out they go out of their way to say it's the first time it's taken place in this ring. Um, but most people won't have seen it because they won't have got smack and whack them. Yeah, it's uh, it's a strange one, but it's. it's 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 a it's a nice bit of history this one and it's um it's and and it, and it's generally a really good match as well but it's yeah. um I, I I must admit this I did really enjoy it enjoy this match um across sort of like the whole board it was it, it was it was a great spectacle I feel considering it's the first uh, ladder match in the WWE where maybe someone like uh, Brett might have done some of this stuff before and maybe Sean hadn't um. It's they they both put on a bit of a cracking show really and I mm. it's, it's it's funny as well looking at uh, what would be the first WWE ladder match in comparison to ladder matches now that were you know have been on TV a lot recently because it's it's used a lot now but yeah. um, it's it's like there it's just one ladder at the entrance and they walk around it. Um, whereas now there's like wow. 20 ladders around yeah. the ring, all different like, sizes. Have sizes, have your pick and stuff like that and. Um, uh, I, I maybe I, I appreciate you might need to have a couple of backups just in case one of them breaks or something like that. But like it's, um, I quite enjoyed having just like the single ladder because it, it makes it a bit more of a focus, yeah. Um, rather than like twenty ladders around the ring. Yeah, the moment of them going down the aisle to get the ladder is a big one because they can't just do it straight away. They have to sort of work on the opponent, knock them down for for enough and then actually have time to get the ladder without getting you know caught so it certainly adds a different sort of psychology and um and and, and different structure to the match itself uh gorilla monsoon's on commentary and I, I noticed that he one of his comments was that sensational sherry who's at ringside with with sean he mentions that she has a, a tattoo on her breast yeah 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 it's I a thought, strange one I thought, what are you doing gorilla Talking about and he was like, it was like, I'll show you. And yeah. Alfred was like, no. Nah. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's a weird one, but there you go. Gorilla's obviously got a, a keen eye for tattoos on breasts. Um, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't think this was the most technical match, but it's not a bad thing because it's a ladder match at the end of the day. But also, in like, it's not really a spot fest either. It's got more traditional wrestling in it rather than it being like, oh, we're going to use the ladder loads and loads. They kind of like they, they they use the ladder sparingly and at the right points. And I kind of appreciated that for this that it wasn't just all out war. I guess because Brett's involved, he's not going to he's not really a ma- massive high flyer. But yeah, it was it was a nice mix between it being having some technical wrestling, but also the fact that it's a ladder match meant that both guys kind of adapted the game and it was a little bit more of a scramble, I thought. 
Yeah, it's, um, I I did appreciate so the way that we're sort of like the first sort of I don't know five or so the bits before we get into the ladder was was really aggressive. It felt like by both uh, Michaels mm. and Hart. Like there's lots of like clotheslines and uppercuts that felt like they just hit hard. Yeah. It felt like a really aggressive match where you know they they were really trying to hurt each other. Um, and I, I did really appreciate that because it sort of. You, yeah you don't always have to go straight for the ladder and, and all that type of stuff and it just it sort of was nice just to have a the bit of wrestling then going for the ladder you know putting the ladder in the spot and like there, there was just some there was some nice moves in and around the ladder but as you mentioned it wasn't overused and there was there was areas where you know i, I quite enjoyed the the interference from uh sherry and um yeah uh, and stuff like that and like it just it felt like there was lots of things going on through it, but nothing was overused and it was sort of sort of packaged together quite nicely by, by uh, Michaels and Hart. So yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed this one. Yeah. Uh, it had a nice blend of like traditional moments, like you said, with the interference from Sherry, which I don't think you'll see too much nowadays in a ladder match, like all those sort of bits go out the window and it's in favor of like high spots. And um, this sort of retained its wrestling roots as well as introducing a new stipulation to it. And um, what I found interesting was that, um, Michaels hits Brett with the switching music um, and then does a back body suplex afterwards and that kind of undersells at this point that the switching music's not a you know a, a feared finisher because he because he goes up the ladder only after he's done that back body drop whereas if this was five years later that switching music he'll be up the ladder as quick as he can get up there um, but yeah. Brett defends the title he drop kicks the ladder and Sean goes sort of all the way to the outside which um, he's infamous for doing, and he climbs up and grabs the belt. But yeah, this is a, this is a good match. I, I enjoyed this. Um, yeah, and it's the, the first that, ladder match the WWF had. That that finish as well was um, was I, I just appreciated as well because you could like so many times now people fall off the top of the ladder yeah. um, and they, they they'll end up getting up and they'll still carry on wrestling. But this was was finished by you know I expect if you fall off the top of a ladder that's a fucking hurt and uh and so so for me like watching that i was like yeah that's sort of that that all makes sense you don't need to put a a finisher on someone you know pushing someone off the top of the ladder and then falling outside the ring and 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 stuff like that's gonna gonna be enough to win you the match and i feel like you know it'd be interesting you know people today in in some of these ladder matches could probably take a few notes from from that match and maybe dial it back a bit and uh uh and, and actually get a better match out of it yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. At, at this point, I thought, okay, we're going to go for a bit of a chronological journey of Brett working his way up until he gets the title, and that's going to be like the the, the main sort of match for for Brett. But we actually kind of skip forward a little bit because we get a title defense between Brett Hart and and Kamala. Um, this was a, a much shorter match, I think. Like Earthquake, Kamala's more of an attraction than a technical wrestler, so. I was interested to see whether Brett could get a good match out of Kamala. I'm not going to say it was a good match, but it wasn't a terrible match. Um, and there's even some impressive, impressive spots from Kamala. He'd done like a spinning back kick, which I was like, cool. I didn't know he had the flexibility to do that. But Kamala kind of has the, the upper hand for most of it. Takes a little while before Brett can can get some offense. And then, um, you know, you know, eventually he's able to, you know, get, get the win. But what did you think, of, first of all, about this going into an era where Brett's the champion and defending the title before we've seen him win the belt and then also the match itself with, with Kamala as his opponent. Yeah, I 
I wasn't too sure what to make of, what to fully make of this one because I haven't seen Kamala that much, and what I have seen of him has usually been quite squashy matches. Yeah. Um, so, um, but obviously, Bret Hart is it? Like it was, it was definitely a, a slower match, but you know, it it was. I didn't this not like the slowness of it. It was actually quite good, and, and I had I made a note about that spinning back kick as well by Kamala because I was a bit at the time I was like what you didn't expect that and and that, that's sort of, sort of that's, I appreciate that from sort of bigger wrestlers um, I think we mentioned in a previous podcast around NXT and is it Keith um, whatever his name is that 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 uh, did the spinning back kick um, the big yeah. guy um, but like I uh, so I, I can I appreciate when when the wrestlers that are sort of spectacle like have little one or two moves in in that 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 match that sort of makes you think a little bit different about them. And, and so I was quite, I quite enjoyed this. And I, I, this one to me felt like more than anything felt, uh, well, so far it felt like the, the best story told during a match. Mm. Um, there, there was like, I, there was the lot going on with the, the, the guys around the edge of the ring. And, yeah. uh, Kamala had a lot of the, the, uh, you know, sort of selling that he's this, this great, uh, sort of big spectacle type of guy. And it sort of all led quite nicely into, um, not Bret Hart, you know, getting over on him, but Bret Hart quickly getting a quick roll-up finish and sort of being like, right, I've retained my title. I probably did, wasn't the better, better wrestler in that match, but, you know, I'm still the, the champion, and that's what a champion should do. They should be able to find a way to get the wins when they need it, because Kamala was never going to be the world champ. <laughs> but um, it I was... Exactly, but it was it was, it was a nice match. It was it, it was a, it was a bit of a come down from the previous one, but it was it was definitely ten times better than the the stuff we'd seen on that first sort of half an hour, forty minutes of this this taping. So I I, I quite enjoyed it to be honest. Mm. Um, at this point as well, I was thinking, I was also sort of thinking because I we I knew we had the Bret Hart Ric Flair match coming up as well. I was thinking, well, we should have just done bloody. A, Bret Hart uh, DVD rather than this yeah. smack and whack em. but um, strange so it was odd. a bit of a strange it was but um, yeah I, I didn't dislike it I, I, I quite enjoyed it That to me that's the if they'd opened on this video on that match I would think I probably would have enjoyed that yeah <laughs> No, I thought, I mean, it just to me proves how good a worker Brett was that he could get this sort of match out of Kamala, really. No disrespect to Kamala, but that he's not on Brett's level and Brett was able to elevate this into a, you know, it wasn't a long match, just shy of nine minutes, but it was enjoyable. Like you said, it had a decent bit of storytelling there. It wasn't unrealistic because Brett was pretty much beaten for a lot of the match, but he was, as you said, he found a way to win. Um, I was a bit surprised at the end when they started doing a beatdown on Brett and I was like, cool, I'm just going to end it with him getting his, his ass kicked. But in the end, he's, he's able to overcome that. I mean, I will say that Kamala, basically the guys are holding him down, holding Brett down. And Kamala does the worst splash I've ever seen because he, instead of trying to dive on Brett, like the, the, the bit is, or the spot is that he ends up diving on Harvey Windleman at the end, or Wimbledon at the end of the day. Um, and instead of just trying to dive on Brett and then Brett pulling Wimbledon under... He clearly just dives on Wimpleman, like aims for him. And I was like, that looked poor, Kamala, if I'm honest. But <laughs> other than that, um, that was the only thing that I would pull out of the, the, the post-match part and Brett gets the, the crowd pop and goes home. Um, we then get a bit of a, a promo from, from Brett again. He's doing this profile. And yeah, at this point, I was thinking the same as you. I was like, why is this just not a Bret Hart video sort of documenting his rise to the championship? Because we've had two decent matches. We're about to see a third where he wins the belt. 
It's like, why is this not just like Bret Hart, the rise of a champion, instead of smack em, whack em with the bushwhackers and Yokozuna eating sushi and shit. But he's, uh, he's saying basically that he's got one shot at this title. At this stage, a lot of people saw this as a surprise title change because Brett wasn't seen as being on the level of, of Ric Flair. Um, it hadn't really got that much of a push, but he's um, he mentions that he's also had a sprained ankle and a dislocated finger. I couldn't see either of those happening in the match. That could be bullshit, probably was. Um, but Ric Flair comes down with, with Mr. Perfect and then Bret Hart comes down. It's his kind of his hometown. It's in Canada. I think it's his dad's hometown, they say, on the actual commentary itself. But we get Ric Flair versus Bret Hart. It's over 20 minutes. It's a back-and-forth epic. It's a, another display for Ric Flair and how good he, he really was and, and really is at this moment. But what did you make of this WWF heavyweight title match where Bret finally grabs the gold and wins the World Heavyweight Championship off of the nature boy, Ric Flair? Yeah, this was by far probably the best best uh, match on on this video. Um, Not even close, it, in my view. Uh, exactly, it was um, it was it was a really really good match. And you, I, I, it's interesting why they they changed the title on a, on a house show. I, I and I've been trying to think about this. I'm not, I've not done any fucking research, so it's probably shame on me. But I, I was I was I wasn't sure whether Flair was off kind of go out injured or flair was maybe leaving wwe at that point for a few years or mm. and they need to just change the title or uh this is back in the days where maybe you know changing the title on a, on a house show was perfectly viable uh, because that that used to happen before yeah tv became massive i know they were still doing massive pay-per-views at that point but like they, they might have still had some of the mindset where they were changed so i don't know the answer to that. so if anyone does know let us know mm. or if you know let me know well, some it's basically you no know, we don't really know the answer some people say that flair had an injury problem so vince was a bit like right that title needs to come off him and brett had been working hard he'd been he's putting on great matches with whoever he's going in so he, he decides to go for someone like like Brett and some just say that Vince was being an arsehole <laughs> just t- didn't like Flair for whatever reason um, and decided to take the title off him I don't think we'll ever know I'm sure there are more um, validated sources that will give you a story maybe Dave Meltzer and the Wrestling Observer will have a, a story in one of his back issues in there about what actually happened and why they did it but we're in we're in Brett's father's hometown he gets the nod and yeah, it's um, for whatever reason, this is his, his crowning moment. It's not even on TV or pay-per-view. It's no, become, it's it becomes sort of like this mystic, you know, match that not a lot of people would have seen because it was then just put out on this smack and whack em. It's, it's It's a strange one, isn't it? And it's, uh, you know, there, there's lots back of... Then, sorry, back then there's no internet, obviously. Yeah. So it's not like when this video was released, you, you'd find it somewhere on YouTube or whatever. Like... I don't, I don't see it. Most people from this period will probably would have not have seen this match. It would just come on telly one week and they'd be like, oh, Brett's the champion. <laughs> yeah, I must have missed something last week, even yeah. though I watched last week. It's a strange one. And I think one... one. I'm hoping Vince McMahon's kept some sort of diary over his life because oh, there's yeah. so many decisions. Like, you know, I think that would be the ultimate wrestling book, you know, the stories of Vince McMahon and, he, and his life and stuff like that. I think under decisions he made, because there was so much and that book would be fucking huge. I think, but it's um, like, this is just another one. It's like, why? <laughs> yeah. 
like we just would never know or like go to the grave and you know what the other interesting thing however I did notice about this match um, well there's lots of stuff I'm going to go through a match in a second but uh, it was a young Earl Hebner which was a uh, <laughs> referee and I was like ah and, and, and I just enjoyed that I just you know I think that's the, one of the earliest I think I've seen Earl podding yeah. around baby Earl but um, it was, was he at Starcade 83 did we see him like really young I, I don't I don't think I remember picking up on seeing Earl Hebner He's definitely there. in like 84, 85, and then he sort of disappears after that. But yeah, that's, that's the first I saw him. But for the WWF, yeah, he's little little Earl Hebner. Um, one, of the, one of the best referees to ever do it, really. Yeah, yeah, still still knocking around, I'm sure, somewhere. Who knows? Probably an impact or something. Um, but yeah, this was like, um, I don't, it's just such a good match. And as you said, Flair is just, brilliant like yeah. flair the way he sells things um I've, I've got it mentioned here a few times in my notes the way he does like he's comedic fool so where he gets up and he just sort of like <laughs> yeah. it's like someone swipes his legs out and he just sort of just falls down in the same spot but like like a plank it's it's yeah. it's, it's, it's it's a hard way it's hard to describe it but it's just one of the the, the best type of fools and it, it it reminds me of of you know like you look back at some of these people that 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 can sell a move mm. and they're really good at selling the move like comedically. And so Shawn Michaels was good at it. Like the rock was brilliant at it. whenever yeah. he got stunned, he just knew how to fall, but like it was done in such a comedic way that, you know, you think, well, crazy, but it never saw too comedic that it was just like that couldn't yeah. have happened. So, and Ric Flair was, I think was like the, the kingpin of that. And he sort of kicked it off. And I, I love the way he just get, every time he gets rocked, he sort of, he sort of get up to his feet and then just, fall over and start it's, it's brilliant so yeah and there was a, i think my only only criticism of this match was i, I and it, i didn't need to see flair's ass was probably it uh, was probably about it but like um i guess what you're gonna do when you got short shorts that short these days yeah. but um uh, uh and it was uh, there, there was um oh, what was the other bit i quite enjoyed there was um the the i think both of them did each other's sort of finishing move Mm. Oh, oh, so I think uh, Flair did uh, not Flair Shawn Michael not Shawn Michaels crikey Bret Hart did the figure four <laughs> that coffee down uh, your neck I know I'm only halfway through it, 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 it people listening we're recording this at 8am and it's 9am in the morning now yeah. but um, but yeah um, <laughs> Bret Hart did the the, the, the figure four on, on on Flair which was which was really nice I, I enjoyed that and I, I'm pretty I'm sure that uh, Flair did, did the sharpshooter as well on to um Am I right in thinking that? I, um, I haven't got that as a note. I know did, the, the figure four definitely happened, um, but I don't know if Flair managed might to get got, hold of the. Yeah, I might have got the switch into that, but I did like the figure four pop, uh, the, the figure four spot because it was a, it was a call out to him getting his own move done, done on him, and it's just the way it just built through the whole whole thing, and um, yeah, it just finished off really nicely. Lots of to and from, which you expect sort of from a Flair match, you know, getting the upper going down, getting the upper going down, and stuff like that. I, I just it's just a really really good match and it didn't feel like 20 minutes and this is this is why people should watch smack and whack them even yeah. if they skip the first sort of like um first half an hour of the, this this, this video skip like, to the bret hart profile bit and then yeah. watch these three matches and you'll be treated to a spectacle because yeah this this is almost 30 minutes this match is clocked in at around 26 30 and like you say it doesn't feel that long at all when it just builds and builds a proper old school back and forth match and you know, I've mentioned Flair a few times on the podcast, like as someone who I didn't get to see wrestle anywhere near as much as I would have liked to. Um, 
the more and more I see of him, he's just incredible. I know people roll their eyes and be like, well, duh, but bearing in mind we were born in, in the late 80s and by the time we kind of got into it, the late 90s, WWF fans, it was, you know, he was on WCW then and I'd only seen a handful of bits there. Um, but going back and watching the Starcades and then watching his run in WWF, he really, he really is a master. And I've just enjoyed almost every single match I've seen him in since since going back and watching these events. Both of these guys are just so snug, so tight. Rarely does anything look fake. Like that's another thing I've picked out that there may have been like one punch that maybe I could see a bit of air between, but everything else just looks really snug. And they they lay their chops in, and oh, it's just great. We get get Brett doing his infamous bringing down the straps when he gets fired up, and um, Sharpshooter gets it for the submission win. That's his first WWF title, and yeah, what a moment that could have been, but it kind of, I guess, plays into the the, the the mystic element of it, that it was just done off TV and done on a house show, and also, at this time, WWF is making quite a lot of money through house shows, probably more than what they're doing on TV. If you then find out that there's a potential title change that could happen, this sets the groundwork, doesn't it, that actually the big belt can change on any of these matches, potentially. Yeah, it's, it makes you go, oh, I need to go to the house show yeah. if they're in, in my... And it's, uh, in the States, like, it's, it's, a, it's a different world to what we have over here in the UK. Like, our country is the size of one state. Um, so, like, so like a, a show could be anywhere in the country and we could still yeah. make our way over to yes. it. Whereas over there, like, oh. if it's just if you're in different states, it's such a long journey. You're never going to go from you know, one side of the country to the other, whereas we, it takes us maybe what maximum, if you go from one end to the very other in the first point, maybe nine hours in a car. Top, so, yeah. yeah. So like it's, um, yeah, it's, it's a different world. So if it's coming to your state and you think, wow, there's a chance for a, a title switch here because it has happened before you're going right. I'm, I'm definitely going to that. Yeah, absolutely. We go back to the little profiling bit where, where Bret Hart's talks about his, his title victory with, with gorilla. Uh, what I found interesting here is he mentions that he's the people's champion. Now, doesn't that sound familiar? Sort of eight, nine years later of The Rock. I've As soon as I heard that, I was like, oh, I wonder if Rocky was watching. A young Dwayne Johnson saw that. Saw it didn't really get picked up in the early 90s and thought, I'm going to run with that if I get a chance. But that was interesting. And then, so that sort of ends the middle part of the video. Like the really good part with three Bret Hart matches. Excellent. And then we go back to home improvement with the Bushwhackers. <laughs> yeah, at this point, I was like, right. Get this what? off. I, I went at this point, I looked at how long was left of the the, the, the taping. Do you remember uh, how, much, how long was left? I think it was like about 15 minutes at this point. And I was right. thinking, right, there's probably a, there's probably going to be one more match. But, you know, I, I can sit through this 15 minutes now. <laughs> yeah. now, I've had, now I've had three good matches. I can, I can, I can deal with whatever they're going to throw my way. Yeah. The WWE. Yeah, I mean it's they, they're trying to. I think they're trying to build. They're doing something with a bathroom and a pipe at this point, and they burst a pipe on Alfred Hayes, and he gets soaked. That's the sort of comedy bit. And I think a fish comes out. And I was like, <laughs> right, okay, fine. We did, we're obviously filling time to get the two hours out of this tape, so that we, I know what I'm in for now. And then at the end, um, we get Undertaker versus Razor Ramon, aka Scott Hall, which is just sort of chucked onto the end of it first of all what do you find it astonishing not astonishing that's a bit of an overstatement but do you find it a little bit interesting that the main match which is brett versus rick flair is not the last match on the video it's actually this little short match between razor ramon and undertaker that's sort of like the last match 
Yeah, so it's it's strange, isn't it? And it's like they've got these three Bret Hart matches. They're like, well, it, I wouldn't even say three. I'd say they've probably got these two Bret Hart matches, the ladder match and, and the the world title match. And they're like, right, we now need to – this comes to about – an hour's worth and now we need to find another hour's worth of stuff just to pad it out yeah. but even then they didn't even say well we'll, we'll have all the sh-. well to be fair the take a remote match wasn't wasn't awful but it was it was they, they i i would have maybe i don't know why they didn't decide to split up some of the that so have like poor match you know heart poor yeah. match heart poor match heart or something like that build it up and stuff like that said um or, or anything along those lines they just it's just a it's just real odd place and i don't think they would make it like that now but like it's it's a, it's a strange one it's a tale of yeah uh three thirds this 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 recording yeah i mean it's just, it's a strange they used to do it i've been watching some of the wwf main events saturday night main events and they'd advertise like hogan versus say like um I don't know. Terry Funk, for example, one of them is is like the the title match. I think they're only like an hour to an hour and twenty minutes long. These particular shows, but the Hogan match is always like in the middle of the event, like it's not at the end. So this period from like this, they like mid to late eighties into the early nineties. But I find it quite interesting that actually the main match that people want to see they plonk sort of directly in the middle and not or towards the back end but not the very end match whereas we're used to now aren't we that every card ends with the big match it ends with either the title match or the big feud match or fucking nowadays the cinematic match that has to go on um do you think there's a lesson to be learned perhaps putting your big matches on not at the very end or is is that a bit of a dead art now and that, that crowds might sort of file out of the arena if when once they're allowed back in yeah, I think I think people like the fact that they're building up your your main event. And I think it's more so not just purely because of wrestling, but like um, things like boxing and UFC yeah. and stuff like that become massive. That it's such ingrained in our heads that for combat sports that you know the main event is the last last one, and you've got all your your build up matches on the way up, and you know the higher you get to the top, the the more sort of prestigious it is. I do think yeah. you know. WWE or, not, or wrestling, pro wrestling is a little bit different that, you know, they can have some sort of, because they have multiple belts, they can have, yeah. they, they do sort of split them up and have some at the start and stuff like that. So you're not just starting off really poor and going, they can kick it off with a, a good start. But they do tend to try and leave what I call their spectacle match, the match the whole sort of cars really built around to, to the very end. Yeah. Um, so like like AEW with the, the Stampede was the, mm. the last one, but they, they had the title match, um, like the match before and stuff like that. So yeah, it was, and I think we commented on that saying, well, it's strange not having a title match at the very end, but the Stampede was clearly the, yeah. you know, the, the big match. And it's the same with WrestleMania, for example, where they had Drew McIntyre finished that off yeah. uh, for, the, for the main title. And so, yeah, for us, it's sort of, it's, it's, it's strange. And I think I do prefer it that way, though. Like your big match at the end, because you're still looking forward forward to that. Um, mm. for, for me here, I'm sort of like, right, we've got the main juice out of the way. Why why are you making me watch this? What are you going to give me <laughs> yeah. that's that's now better than that? And that's what I'm looking at. Yeah. So um, it was it's a strange, but it's a different world back then, 30 years ago. Yeah, absolutely. One thing I would say in defence of doing it this way is that if you have a um a card that isn't exciting and is long so it's a four and a half hour event and you say if you're in the crowd as well i've noticed that sometimes crowds by the time the main event come on they can get they're tired 
like they're just exhausted or the matches aren't keeping them engaged. So you do run the risk of having your biggest match with a flat crowd and also people at home. Like if we're watching it and after four and a half hours, we're like, cool, oh, I don't know how much more I can do with this. Like you can get fatigued. Yeah. Um, there is, I think there is an argument to strategically placing things on your card uh, with perhaps like a bigger match slightly earlier. I don't think it's a, a, a totally insane idea to do um, because there's the, there are benefits to it. But cause you, you remember the tag team match, Kenny, Kenny and uh, Paige versus the Young Bucks. Yeah. That was like the third or second match of the card. And that was really, really good. And you could tell the crowd were just like red hot into that. Not only because it was a great match, but because they weren't tired. And then the Moxley-Jericho match, although I enjoyed it, I thought it was a good match. I felt like they tired a little bit and the crowd weren't as engaged. Because they'd been there for fucking five hours, probably six hours. And, and they're tired, but... Yeah, I think you're right. The combat sports side of things definitely engraves it. I mean, boxing do put on matches after the main event, but they are like low, low, low level matches. Like, and most people have left by then. They they very, very rarely televise them. And the only time I can remember a a main event in the UFC um, kind of not being like a big match was UFC 100. Ironically, John Fitch versus Paulo Tiago was the main event. And not because they wanted that to be the main event, but because they <laughs> they started to run out of time, and they wanted to get the Brock Lesnar and Frank Mir match on before the time limit ran out on the on the pay per view because everything had gone so long. So it has happened at, but through accident. But final match, as I said, Undertaker versus Razor Ramon. We're heavy into Undertaker's dead man gimmick here. Razor Ramon. I love Razor Ramon, so I was pleased to kind of see him in action. Again, not the best match, quite sure. Ramon loses via countout, so he's obviously protected in that instance. Any any comments to to pass on on the Undertaker taking on Ramon? Yeah, a few. Like I I must admit, like this period of Undertaker and the Undertaker's music and the Undertaker's entrance is by far my favourite of all the Undertaker entrances. And it, oh, it the beats, American Badass. Oh, no, that, yeah, well, that's a different story. But, you know, um, <laughs> like, I think just in terms of the Undertaker, I just, this era is so much better than these Attitude uh, 2000s plus or entrances. And I think maybe that's why I got a little bit of a, a bit of a hard on when I heard it, you know, at uh, WrestleMania, that, that music and the old music when and then AJ Styles popped out and I was like, oh, all right. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I was thinking, oh, let's sort of take it back. But um, yeah, it's I, I do enjoy it. You know, I, I the looking back at Taker back then and having watched some of his documentaries now, and there's some really good stuff out there about Taker uh, now. And mm. I'm starting to really appreciate his slower style. Yeah. Because um, he and purposely forms in that way at that age when he's at his peak, but he's. Um, performing in such a slow way because you know the dead man wouldn't be you know all over the place you know no. he'll flip in here and then everywhere uh, i like in the walk on the ropes and it's sort of slow methodical and stuff like that um and and just like all the little gimmicks razor ramona is great you know he's a bit of a what's the best way to put it is a bit of a shit and uh uh you know cocky and uh you know it has it all i i i enjoyed the finish like I'm mm. just going, ah, fuck this. I'm going to walk away. Yeah. The only thing that annoyed me, and 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 it, it did, it just walked away. Now these these days, that would never happen. Like someone would run out and grab him, or he'd get hit and he'd get thrown back in the ring. You just wouldn't just walk away, and then the match just finishes after you know like five minutes or whatever. And yeah. you think, oh, and it sort of does protect both. The only thing I would, I think sort of 
annoyed me a little bit about that was it definitely wasn't a 10 second count he, he was out the ring. <laughs> it's well it was quick about, wasn't it it was about four seconds after he was out the ring and the referee went nah, nah it's over 10 seconds i was thinking that isn't 10 seconds no because but, um, if they're both out and outside the, the 10 second will be about 50 seconds because they count really slow but because the referee knew it was the finish he <laughs> just sped up the count yeah it was and it was that it's just it was just a little bit too quick apart from that like that's the that's the type of match that was a nice squash match a bit you know like the take command match at SummerSlam. it's not like going to be the the most uh the greatest match but you know it's just it has a nice interesting little story there um it's one of those ones that you know would have been great you know breaking up some of the, the bret hart stuff yeah. um and actually i was i quite enjoyed seeing that on this this video because it once again was a match we wouldn't have seen it cements some more of these these characters and sort of their styles and it, you know it, I, I i just sort of just enjoyed it but um yeah it, it wasn't up to some of the stuff that brett hart was doing earlier on but it was it was just a nice match i, I enjoyed it. it it didn't deserve to be the the last thing on the the tape it was, it was something that should have been in the middle but you know it is what it is yeah, is what it is. It wasn't a terrible match in the end. It was nice and short. That's the saving grace for a lot of the matches here. They were short, even the bad ones. So they're less offensive to me. We do end with Lord Alfred Hayes and his home improvement. He sits down to watch his favourite Coliseum videos. Bushwhackers put him in a chair. They bring a telly out and put it on a weird stand. It didn't look like a TV stand to me. Um, but that's how it ends with Alfred Hayes sitting on there. I don't know if they were trying to sort of say that he'd fallen through the floor or something but i thought that they were like maybe they bulldozed the house or something and he was still in there yeah maybe but weird ending <laughs> that's how smack and whackham ends i mean what a strange little video this is like one part excellent bret hart profile of his some some great matches from him first ever ladder match carrying kamala in a, in a decent match and then an epic with rick flair Another part, sort of just weird short matches that have no interest or, or not that great. And then another part, just some unbearable bits and segments of Alfred Hayes doing home improvement and then Yokozuna eating fucking, what is it, steak and fish. Sushi. Sushi. What an odd little video this is. Yeah, it was it was, it was bizarre. Um, I, I'm glad that I, to be honest, looking back at it, I'm glad I've watched it because oh, yeah. I, I feel like there, you know, I would now having watched it all and seen those Bret Hart matches and so forth, it, it, it makes it worth watching for, yes. for those alone. Um, however, it, it, you know, I did, did test my judgment at the start and, and uh, uh, it definitely doesn't come with a, like a raging uh, review to say everyone get out and watch that. But you know, if you're into your wrestling mm. and you're into your like, early 90s and you like Bret Hart then there's the this 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 home video is, is 100% uh smack and whack em is 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 worth a watch and it's two hours and you know that's a bloody uh a, a raw a smackdown a dynamite now yeah. so like you know it may maybe take a rest from smackdown one week if you're watching smackdown and just watch this instead and you'll uh you'll 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 somewhat enjoy it and to be honest you know so you probably get better wrestling and some of this most smackdown now these days so <laughs> you know you you're on for a winner you'll probably actually think it's, it's uh repo man versus the earthquake is probably one of the best matches you've seen if you've been just watching smackdown so yeah i you know i i, I definitely think it's, it's worth a watch and uh people that haven't watched it you know 
it's it's on the WWE network. It's uh, loads of stuff on the WWE network's going free. So yep. if you don't got the license, you know it'd be worth giving it a search. Yeah. Uh, see if it's on the free stuff. I'm not sure if it is. We'll uh, find out, but, won't we? Because your your subscription will be expiring soon, and we'll have a look and see what you can and can't see on there. It'd be interesting. After after my backlash, maybe we maybe this needs to be a Patreon tier paying for James's uh, WWE network. Oh know? yeah, it's, I think it's a goal, not necessarily that, but there's a goal on there to cover spending costs, which includes a WWE network for you. <laughs> um, That's what we want, but um, I'm, I'm I'm hoping it's the type of thing that the WWE would give away for free because there, there is no reason to put this behind a paywall. No. I don't think, and actually, it just it helped the WWE. So um, yeah, I, I go go out and try and watch it if you can. Um, it is is definitely worth the you know the, the two hours and just you know if you if you're getting a bit tired just skip forward to the Bret Hart stuff and yeah. you'll enjoy the, the the second hour and sort of 20 minutes worth of, of the, the video yeah absolutely it's uh it's it's saved by the the Bret Hart matches but and it's which is sandwiched between some pretty lackluster matches and some awful attempts at comedy and segments and profile building of, of Yokozuna but oh with wrestling and with any combat sport always fine if you get one or two good matches on the card it kind of saves it like you, you're pleased with what you've watched it's when you get just like six stinkers and you're like oh god what have I just done there but this this definitely has those one or two matches that you'll you'll want to see and it's a bit of history seeing Brett win the win the belt for the first time and and as I said Ric Flair's a master at the game so you'll get to see two of the best ever go at it in a, um, in a in a classic match that was not on TV <clears throat> or pay-per-view at the time. So um wasn't until 1993 that people got their hands on this. So it's that time. Got a score. Smack em, whack em, Mr. Paper. As usual, it can be two thumbs up, one thumb up. Neutral, one thumb down, or two thumbs down. What are you going to go for with smack em, whack em, the... And the very strange home Coliseum video package that's kind of like a homage to Bret Hart, but not quite, because we've got the Bushwhackers doing home improvements and Yokozuna eating his dinner. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 uh, for me, I, it's, it's, it's an odd one. It's not. I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit bang straight in the middle on this one uh, and not give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Neutral. Um, neutral. AKA I, I, fence sitter, they call that. Real. Uh, it definitely is for this one. It's like uh, I really like the Bret Hart stuff, um, but that first half an hour, I think, probably <laughs> scarred me for for a long period of time. And like, like if it wasn't so bad in that first period and the bushwhackers and all of that, I, I I would have given it, you know, Virgin one to to maybe even two. But that just that just really you know hammered me. And the way I sort of think in my head, like everything on that, you know, a a video or whatever has to be great to get two stars, and it wasn't. Uh, and then I'm thinking about uh, giving it one star and then uh, in comparison to other things I've given one star and I've enjoyed other things more. So, mm. you know, it has to it has to take a step back, unfortunately. Cool. Well, they ain't stars, they're thumbs, but yeah, I'll get you. I'll get what you're saying. Yeah, that's what I mean, thumbs, thumbs. <laughs> oh, so I'll be really stingy only handing out two stars. People are like, hang on a minute. That doesn't sound like it's worth having, but the thumbs are worth having. I'm, hmm, I'm going to give it one thumb up. I know there's some diabolical crap in it, but it's minor in comparison to seeing like two of Brett's great matches and stuff that we wouldn't have had to see otherwise. And uh, sort of peak flair. Well, I don't know when flair's peak was. It seemed like it was forever, but a great match of flair. Definitely good match with Shawn Michaels and the ladder match. And uh, Kamala 
just showing that you can have a half decent match with him as well. So I'm going to just give it the one thumb up just about. I think you should seek it out, especially if you're a Bret Hart fan. Don't know why they didn't just make this the Bret Hart video in all honesty. Just put two two or three more Bret Hart matches on it. Have that little interview section that he was he was doing with Gorilla Monsoon. And then like have it as a profile as your champion. But we got Smack and Whackham with Lord Alfred and the Bushwhackers. And uh, it created a, a very strange blend of, uh, of wrestling programming. I think that's it, paper. Smack and whack them done. If um, if you do want to, as I mentioned a couple of times, if you do want to do or, or send in some suggestions for us, head over to patreon.com forward slash DDT WrestleCast where you can join one of our tiers, which is called DDT Booker, and you can um, you can put suggestions in. And to be honest, as long as there's not there's, there won't be, but if there's there's not 200 people suggesting 200 different videos you're more than likely we'll get to it because the we don't get too many suggestions that come in. So I, I will, at this point, commit to whatever you suggest, providing it's legitimate and we can get to it on the, either on the network or uh, YouTube or a, a wrestler's website without any sort of other financial or illegal outlay. We will get to it and, and review it. So head over to patreon.com forward slash DT WrestleCast. I think that's it, though. Smack and Whackham's in the books. We'll be back next Friday with some sort of wrestling content. No idea what it'll be because it's always crazy and wacky in the world of wrestling, but nothing more for us to say apart from thanks for your time and ta-da. This was a Dimp Digital production.